I think we can all say this morning we were greatly encouraged and challenged by Neil's lesson on the tongue. You know, every time I hear Neil preach, that happens, but today especially, it was a great lesson, and it encouraged all of us to examine our speech and the way that we use our tongues, and we are thankful for that lesson. appreciate working with Neil and David, but especially this morning, I was challenged by Neil's lesson, and I believe there were many responses inwardly in our hearts and in our minds, even if those things weren't done publicly, where we all said we need to do better at taming, taming our tongues. We meet him in Genesis chapter 11 in verse 27 down through the end of the chapter. We're introduced to him. His name is Abram. His father's name is Terah. He has two siblings, Nahor and Haran. And it's interesting that we're introduced to him in chapter 11 on the heels of the account where we read about individuals desiring to build a tower to make a name for themselves. And they fail. And we're introduced to the man who God says, I will make your name great and do great things with you. He's 75 years old in Genesis chapter 12, the first four verses, when God says, leave your family, your kindred, your father's house and leave your country and go to a land that I'll show you. I'll make of you a great nation. I'll bless those that bless you, curse those that curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. He does exactly what God tells him to do. And he leaves at 75 years old. He takes his stuff and he departs. When he gets to Palestine, there's a famine in the land. And so he decides to leave and he goes down into Egypt And maybe fear or intimidation, but he tells his wife, Sarah, he says, listen, when we get there, they'll think you're beautiful. They'll destroy me. So would you mind telling them that we're siblings? You're my sister. And they do. They almost have the entire nation of Egypt exterminated through the plagues. But God has mercy on them and they leave. Abraham becomes very rich in cattle and in silver and in gold. Genesis 13 and verse two. So rich, in fact, that he and his nephew Lot, they can't stand each other's company any longer. And in Genesis 13 and verse 8, he says to him, let there be no strife between me and you, your herdsmen and mine. You go to the right hand and I'll go to the left. If you go to the left hand, I'll go to the right. His gracious spirit was already on display and they separate company. And after that, Lot's in trouble and he calls for his uncle, Abram. He takes 318 of his trained men, goes down into battle and wins the battle and recovers his nephew out of trouble. God had made promises to Abram, but up to this point in his life, nothing had happened. Nothing had changed for him. In chapter 15, God reiterates the promise. He says, you will have a descendant. You will have children. And Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Genesis 15 and verse 6. And Abraham and Sarah at this point, they're excited. They trust God's promises, but they're sort of questioning his precision. And so in chapter 16, they come up with this great idea. You know, God had told Abram that he'd have great, a great nation and many descendants, but he said nothing about his wife. And so maybe you could use my handmaid, Hagar. And Abram and Sarah, they conscribe this plan together, construct this plan. And Abram visits with his wife's handmaid. and He has a son, Ishmael. God says, Abraham, you misheard me. You'll have a son, but it won't be Ishmael. You'll have one from your own loins. You're going to have a different son, the son of promise. Abraham is 86 years old at the end of Genesis 16 and still no children. In chapter 7, God says, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be perfect. And Abraham, you will have a son. And in Genesis 17 and verse 4, he changes his name from Abram to Abraham. He changes Sarai's name from Sarai to Sarah. Abraham would mean father of the multitude of nations and her name would mean a princess. And God says around this time next year, he gets more specific. You will have a son. Abraham couldn't believe it. At ninety nine years old, will I have a child? And God says, yes, you will. 
Just when you think he's gotten over the hump. He now is a man of faith and he's all that he should be. In chapter 20, he does it again. He lies about his relationship with his wife. And he says before Abimelech, the king of Gerar, he says, she's not my wife. She's my sister. And God again has compassion and he has mercy. And after 25 years in Genesis 21 and verse 5, the Bible says Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Just like God had promised, he and his wife, Sarah, have a son. Abraham didn't know it on that occasion, but he was on the brink of the biggest challenge of his life or to his faith yet. In Genesis 22, God says to Abraham, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the mountain, which I'll tell you of and offer him there for a sacrifice. And he does it. But this time is different for the first time in his life. For Abraham, there's no second thing. There's no plan B. He doesn't try to get out of it. He does exactly what God tells him to do. And he's about to lay the death blow to Isaac when heaven interrupts and says, Lay not your hand on the child, for now I know that you fear me, because you haven't withheld your son, your only son, from me. Abraham and Isaac both walked down hand in hand from Mount Moriah, and Abraham's forever changed. In chapter 23, his wife Sarah dies at 127 years old. He strikes a deal with the Hittites, buys a cave, and buries her in Machpelah. Right before his death, he secures a wife for Isaac in chapter 24, And in chapter 25, we're told he remarries and he has more children, but he gave everything he had to Isaac. Genesis 25 and verse five. And then this faithful man who had walked with God for 100 years in Genesis 25, verses seven through 11, we're told when he was 75 years old, Abraham breathed his last. He died in a good old age, a man old and full of age. And he was gathered to his people. And just like that, his life was over. The rest of the Bible sings his praises. He's called the friend of God three times in scripture, the father of our faith in Romans four and verse 11 in Hebrews 11, where the faithful are mentioned twice as much as said about Abraham in comparison to anybody else that's mentioned in that chapter. He's a great man. He wasn't perfect, but he's a great man of faith. There's a lot we could say about Abraham tonight, but briefly, and these will be brief. We want to mention four things we learn from a man who walked with God for 100 years. What are four lessons we learned from Abraham's life that should be true about our lives if we're going to follow God as well? Number one, obey God even in difficulty. The Bible says that we should obey God. That's the whole duty of man. Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13. And Abraham would go along with that. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Jesus is the author of eternal salvation to all them who obey him. Hebrews five and verse nine. All of those things are true. But I believe Abraham would add on this one idea. Obey God. Yes. But especially when it's difficult to do. Imagine being told by God to get up and leave your country, your kindred, your entire family for a land that I'll show you. A land Abraham initially didn't even know existed and he had never been there before. And he went. And when he was 99 years old, God spoke to him in Genesis 17 and said, you and everyone in your household, we're going to do things differently. Everybody in your household that's eight days old, you're going to circumcise them. And at 99 years old, Abraham circumcised himself and his entire family. Imagine being Abraham and thinking to yourself, what does cut flesh have to do with anything? But he obeyed. And who in here can imagine walking your only begotten son up Mount Moriah and having him look you in the eye and ask you the question, what are we doing here? Where's the... The lamb for the burnt offering and saying, son, God will provide. Abraham would say we need to obey God, but especially when we would rather do otherwise, especially in difficulty. 
My mom showed me this scene from Facebook or this meme the other day. It was a picture of some folks at a sporting event and they were covered in snow and snow was all around them. And the picture had this caption. I don't love anyone or anything this much. And the point was, I wouldn't go to any event or go to see anybody in sports to sit in these sorts of conditions. But Abraham seemed to have no limits on his faithfulness and obeying God. He just couldn't be talked out of it. He had the mind that Ruth had toward her mother-in-law, Ruth 3 and verse 5, where she says, all that you command me, I will do. May we cultivate and develop hearts in such a way that we're able to say to God, there's no conditions or no circumstances that will cause me to disobey you. I want to do what pleases you. He may he won't speak to us audibly and say, leave your land. He won't ask us to offer up our loved ones physically, but he will challenge us. He will say, love your enemies. Matthew 5, 43 to 48. He will say, avoid worldly lust. First Peter two and verse 12. He may say, practice church discipline. Second Thessalonians three and verse six. He may say, get out of this marriage because it's unauthorized by God. Matthew 19, 9 through 12 and a host of other things that may challenge us. And Abraham says, even in those moments when we would rather do our own thing, God still is to be obeyed, especially in difficulty. Here's number two. Worship will sustain you. It's been said about Abraham. You could mark his travel throughout the Mediterranean world through the altars that he built. He built one in Genesis chapter 12 and verse seven. He built another one right after that in Genesis 12 and verse 8 when he was between Bethel and Ai. In chapter 13 and verse 18, he built an altar when he was in Hebron. And the last one that he built is in Genesis 22 and verse 9, right before he's going to offer up Isaac on Mount Moriah. Abraham was a man of worship. You might say he was an altar building machine everywhere he went. Every time you turn a page in Genesis, Abraham is worshiping God. Abraham would say worship will sustain you if you allow it to. His worship was deliberate. He chose to do it. It was instructive because on the way up to Mount Moriah, Isaac had done that before. And Isaac said, we have all of the materials. He had shown him how it was done. It was done in private on occasion. It was regular and premeditated. No matter what, Abraham worshiped. And he would say to us, worship will sustain you if you allow it. Dental experts say you should floss your teeth. They say it will remove plaque. It'll keep your teeth intact longer. It even has some sort of heart benefits if you continue to floss your teeth on a regular basis. But how many of us have leaned back in the chair at the dental office with a dental bib full of blood only to have him say, when's the last time you flossed? And you want to say to him, you should know you were there, right? (laughs) The point is, we don't do it. We say to ourselves, that's inconvenient. It costs a lot of time. I don't really think it'll make a difference. And sometimes we might view worship that way. We're to worship God in spirit and in truth, John 4, 24. And Abraham says, it'll change you. It'll sustain you throughout life. It doesn't matter if you feel like you've gotten something out of worship. It's what we put into it. Would people be able to mark us by our altars? You know, your children watch you when you worship. They watch you when the prayers are being prayed. They watch us eat the Lord's Supper as they examine us to see, is this a special time or a snack time? They watch us when we sing. Surely we don't only sing in the assembly. James 5.13 says, if anyone's happy among you, let him sing praises to God. Surely we wouldn't say, this is our only altar. Abraham would say, you don't have enough ammunition in your spiritual gas tank to be sustained twice a week. Worship will sustain you throughout life. Sing praises to God. Study his word. Spend time with his people. But develop your own private devotional life. Because in the moments you need it the most, worship will sustain you. Number three, God keeps his promises. He promised Abraham three things, really. He promised him land. He promised him a legacy. And he promised Abraham a rich lineage. And God went three for three. 
Abraham got the land that was promised to him in Joshua 21, 43 through 45. They received the land just like God said. And the Bible says in Joshua, not one of the promises failed that God made to Abraham. His legacy is rich because every time someone was faithful in the Old Testament and it's true in the New, they're called the children of Abraham. His lineage is vast. Can you count the Christians in the world today or throughout time when God said they will outnumber the stars? He meant every word of it. Because as many of us as are baptized into Christ, put on Christ, and we become Abraham's descendants. God kept his promises. And Abraham would say to us, after walking with God for a century, he always keeps his promises. God is never in over his head. He never promises more than he can deliver. He always does it. Genesis 21.5 says Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born. That is to say, go back to Genesis 12 and verse 4 when God made the promise. It had been 25 years. He didn't waver. He never changed his mind. He keeps his word. All of the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and amen. Second Corinthians one and verse 20. And Abraham would say, you can trust him. The first thing the devil did to humanity was say, you can't trust God. God's lying to you. God's holding out on you. And Abraham stands up and he says, I know him. I walked with him for 100 years. He keeps all of his promises. Don't doubt him. Throw in your lot with him and never look back. Give Christianity your all. Be faithful because you serve a God who means what he says. The history on this is foggy. When promise rings started, whether with the Romans or with the Greeks, but they've recently had a resurgence. And what a promise ring is essentially is to say we're not ready for engagement yet. or Our circumstances won't allow us to be. But this ring promises that we're going to get to that next step. And you know why we need those. Because we've been lied to. Humans are dishonest and we need reassurance. But God doesn't wear a promise ring and he doesn't really give out any. The truth of who God is, is contained in who he is. It's impossible for him to lie. Hebrews 6, 18. And Abraham would say, you can trust him. Here's the last one. Abraham walked with God for 100 years and he would say, life is short. Be faithful. He lived to be 175 years old and his life is contained in 14 chapters, roughly from the end of chapter 11 in Genesis through five. And then the Bible ends with his life in Genesis 25 by saying Abraham died in a good old age. He breathed his last and he was gathered to his people just like that. His life was over. And that'll be true about you and me. The Bible says we must all needs die and we're like water spilled on the ground. We can't be gathered back up again. Second Samuel 14, 14. It's appointed to man once to die. And after this, the judgment, Hebrews nine and verse twenty seven. Psalm 102 and verse 26 speaks of those that are doomed to die. It's just the human reality. We won't escape it. Abraham would say, prepare for it so that what's said about him can be said about us, that we died, hopefully, in a good old age. But in the end, we'll be gathered to our people, to our eternal people. The way the Bible describes faithfulness, especially in the Old Testament, is to say a person walked with God. Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Genesis 5, 24. Noah walked with God. He was faithful in his generation. Genesis six and verse nine. Zechariah and Elizabeth walked with God and they were blameless. Luke one and verse five and six. Luke chapter one, five and six. And Abraham was told to walk with God and be blameless. Aren't you glad that God doesn't demand perfection of us? A marker we could never hit. We'd just be discouraged altogether. If God said be perfect or else, God says be faithful. Perfection is beyond the reach of every one of us. But faithfulness, dependability, a determination not to quit on him is within the reach of every Christian. And so God says, be faithful and I'll reward you. And Abraham would say, after walking with God for 100 years, it's worth it. 
you can be faithful to him. He's been faithful to you. Keep your promises. Resolve not to quit on God. Abraham made mistakes. He made blunders, but he never quit. He never gave up. And God never forgot him. We are not surprised to turn to the first book of the New Testament and read these words. Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. The lineage is there just like God promised. And he blesses the world through the lineage of Abraham. Genesis 22 and verse 16 says, for Abraham so loved God that he gave his only begotten son. But John 3:16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And when he walked his son up Mount Calvary, there was no interruption like on Mount Moriah where God says, OK, that's enough. He went all the way through with it. Worship sustained Jesus because as he worshiped throughout his life, as blood was flowing from his body, scripture was flowing from his lips on the cross. And he quoted Psalm after Psalm. He committed himself to God. God kept his promise. Jesus died and his short life came to an end so that in a sense, people that believe on him, our lives never have to. Abraham is the father of the faithful. And maybe tonight we can help someone as they begin their journey in the faith and walking with the Lord. We're going to extend heaven's invitation. And the Bible says that if we believe that Jesus is the son of God and we're willing to repent of our sins, we'll be baptized into Christ. We'll be forgiven. We become a part of his body and we become children of Abraham. If you need to respond tonight, if we can help you in any way, come now as together we stand and as we sing.